our last episode, we ended the episode with an interview with Troy Rawlings, the Davis County District Attorney, and it was fascinating for me. I hope you enjoyed it as well. We had so much fun interviewing him that we kept on interviewing him and decided that we would do this as a separate episode so that people would be able to hear like the difference in how a good prosecutor thinks and how I think we all know how a bad one thinks. <laughs> You've seen the movies, I've seen the reality, and I've shared with you some of the realities. So here is the rest of our interview with Troy Rawlings and Shelly and I. I hope you love it as much as we loved interviewing him. So when a prosecutor is making a decision on whether to dismiss or make a plea, how do they go about making that decision? So is this a decision that you make as an individual or do you need to take it back to like a team? It depends upon the office and the culture of that office. So like in the situation that I was in, when you presented that case to me, that was my decision. I didn't have to take it to a committee. Yeah. Um, I, I was the division chief of the special victims unit. Oh. And so it was, it, was, it was my decision to make, even though it was my case personally, I was also a division chief at the time. The office policy at the time was if we're going to dismiss a case, if we think that it's going to be a case where there's going to be law enforcement complaints, victim complaints, or we know that they're going to be upset or what have you, okay. uh, the then okay. county attorney at the time liked to know about it, wanted us to come and talk with him about it, uh, tell him what our decisions was. Sometimes I guess he can override that decision. Uh, sometimes he can't. In this situation, I didn't need to do that because I was the division chief. The decision was clear. This was an easy one for me to make. It was clear cut after interviewing the witnesses. Now, I still have in our office. I have that culture. So the prosecutors in our office. Here's what I ask them to do: You do your due diligence. Make your decision based upon all of the evidence, not just some of it, and the context of it. More information mm -hmm. rather than less try to make a decision that you think is the best decision, the right decision, based upon what a jury is reasonably likely to do. Do you have a reasonable probability conviction or not? Do all your homework. Don't be lazy. If you feel that you need to dismiss a case, and that's what you're going to do, and you've done everything you're supposed to do, then I'll, I'll back your play. And the reason I feel strongly that that's the better way to do it, and we'll talk about another model in a second, is because it takes the politics out of the decision-making in a district attorney's oh, office. As a district attorney, that. I'm elected. Yeah, um, I love it. That's I view awesome. that part of my... Yeah, part of my job in Davis County, for the residents of Davis County, is to hire the best people I can. Hire people that are apolitical, hire people with good judgment, hire mm -hmm. people with experience and skill that know how to process evidence, know how to assess. That's why the average stay of prosecutor in our office right now, of years of experience, uh, is, is pushing 18 oh, years wow. now. You compare that with some of the other offices around us, and it's really an interesting contrast. We have people wanting to come here. When we have job openings, we get the best of the best from oh, other offices so cool. in the state. I'll bet. I'll and, bet. And I think you know mm -hmm. that, Pam, from experience. But yeah. part of the reason is the culture is I want to encourage, and we do what we can to be competitive on pay. Uh, we want to make sure that they're paid as well as we can because basically I'm soliciting and buying and paying for their judgment on behalf of the residents of Davis mm -hmm. County because I want prosecutors who will make good decisions on facts, law, and evidence apolitically they won't worry about pressure, and they're not going to have a district attorney or a boss who's going to come to them and say, hey, I'm worried about how this is going to look in the media, right. or I'm worried about you know kickback from the police chiefs, and maybe they won't support me at my next election or the FOP, or hey, we're going to have a very volatile victim on this one, you know, alleged victim. Right. Okay, as long as you do your homework, right. they, they know in this office that I'll back their play as long as they've done their due diligence and have a good articulable reason for why they're nice. doing what they're doing. Yeah. Contrast that with other models that I don't like. 
Yeah. And I'll tell you a specific thing I did when I took office mm-hmm. too that kind of changes that that plays into this. Okay. There are some offices where prosecutors have to get permission to breathe and go to the bathroom. Right. You know they they've got to get permission on everything they do. There's a, a, a you know a committee where mm-hmm. you take potential pleas to, and then you yeah. have you know however many other prosecutors sitting around the table that guess what they don't know the full freaking case right you know they're they're sitting there they mm-hmm. haven't read all the files they haven't sat in the meetings with the witnesses or the victims exactly. or or the, or the yep. officers on they haven't right. listened to all the recordings yet you're supposed to take it to this committee who doesn't know the facts of the case right. like the prosecutors I hire and tell them you learn the facts of the case do and you got to get approval then from other attorneys who don't know the case from A to Z like you do to mm-hmm. offer a plea or not offer a plea or take a case to trial and not take a case to trial wow. or if you've got to take it up the chain to the elected you know the elected district attorney yeah. so by, by doing it the way I do it yeah. removes politics from it because they know I don't care about re-election politics on the decisions they make yeah. so that's why we have good prosecutors wanting that's to come so here cool. what <laughs> one, one of the changes I made when I first took this job that really, really bothered me that gets again back to Shelley's good questions. Um, when I was a deputy here in this office, before I got elected, there was a policy in this office where if you didn't keep 80% of your felony cases at the felony level, you didn't get a performance bonus. If you I'm didn't keep right. 80% of your misdemeanors without dismissing them or reducing them at all, you didn't get a performance bonus. So so oh. basically your performance bonus, your yeah. pay, your sal- your incentive for increase was 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 based upon uh, you know n- n- numerical percentage. So what does that do? That disincentivizes a prosecutor from, from making the right that's decision. That's not right. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you're worried about okay, I I, I can't reduce this this second degree to the yeah. class A it should be because it might. So that's I'm not so going to make the, the money. One of the very first things I did when I took this job as the elected was get rid of that stupid policy. I love that's that. Our policy now. That policy is, was in place make, when you started. Yes, it was. Oh, oh man, that's that scary. policy was a bit before. So when I became the elected DA, I, I abolished that policy because to me it's it's misguided. It disincentivizes prosecutors in the wrong way. Smart. But that's kind of one example I think that that you know goes to Shelley's question is so we're not I I don't want to base decisions on numbers or incentivize you economically to base a decision one way or another. Mm-hmm. I want you to make that decision based upon the facts, the law, the evidence. What's a jury likely to do, and, and what is the, the the best decision, the the, the rightest Good. thing to do? Yeah. with this particular case. So there are a lot of offices still around the country, mm-hmm. though, that use those type of formulas um, in how prosecutors are, are paid. That's uh, there's terrible. a lot of district attorneys that, that run around the country campaigning on on, on, the, on those type of issues, mm-hmm. um, you know, on, on how many felony cases they file. Okay, we decline about 30 to 40 percent. Every year, about 30 to 40 percent of the cases law enforcement brings are We decline because there's not enough evidence. I'll campaign on that. Right. In other words, what that means is we're not just going to be a rubber stamp for the police. Right. We're only going to file mm-hmm. and take those cases forward that we should file and take forward where there's a reasonable probability of conviction. So I just think that that, that just kind of answers her question a little bit in the in that there are different ways offices can yeah. handle that. There are a lot of offices where you have to get permission to sneeze. Right. In our office, you don't have to do that. But I, what I will ask you is... You better darn well be able to articulate your decision completely if we're questioned or called on it, why you did it, yep. uh, and, and and basically make a decision for good right. reasons. If people start right. doing things because they're lazy, that's not going to cut it here. Right. You you better be able right. to tell me, if, if we're questioned by a victim, by a police chief, which happens, why you dismiss this case, we need to be able to back up your decision. And if we can, you got it. I'll back your play. That is awesome. We totally love that. I love it. Yeah, if you're going to talk the talk, you better walk the walk. 
Shelly is right. And it also brings power to your team. Because, you know, we're talking about people that have gone to law school. They're not idiots. So they wouldn't want to be treated right. like they were idiots, that they're just going to have to just rubber stamp whatever policies you have, that they have the ability to think. So I, that's impressive. I really like that. Very, very impressive. Appreciate yes. it. Tell me, there is, on the bottom of your emails, but there was a, a saying, like a model that you lived by as a prosecutor. It is a, is a quote from a Supreme Court justice. Now, what the saying is it's from uh, Justice uh, Robert Jackson, the former Supreme Court justice. He said this back in 1940. The qualities of a good prosecutor are as elusive and as impossible to define as those who make a gentleman. And those who need to be told would not understand it anyway. A sensitivity to, to fair play and sportsmanship is perhaps the best protection against the abuse of power. And the citizen's safety lies in the prosecutor who tempers zeal with human kindness, who seeks truth and not victims, who serves the law and not factional purposes, and who approaches his task with humility. Wow. Yeah, and it's, uh, absolutely. That is and, and, and awesome. I think what Justice, it is, and what Justice Jackson was getting at basically is that the power prosecutors have is immense, and so the type of people you need in these jobs that best suit society are those who are just invested in making the best decision, you know, getting it right, not being right, uh, and those who are, uh, you know, willing to realize that, that their position is a powerful position, so don't abuse it. You know, don't, right. don't, mis, don't misuse it. Right. It's like I say, my simple version of that sometimes is you need to have a, re- a green light, yellow light, and red light as a prosecutor. There are some cases you need to have a green light, yeah. you know, where, where you're going, you know, going all out. Right. There are some cases where a yellow light is better for various reasons. Uh-huh. In some cases, a red light, you learn you need to dismiss or not file it. Right. Um, and you right. need to be just just as happy with whatever, just as happy dismissing a case as you are to get a conviction of dismissal is what justice requires. Wow. Wow. Oh my gosh, this is so That's, cool. I it wish, is, this is I amazing. every prosecutor was mm-hmm. like that. It would yes. make It would make our world a better place. Because there yes. are people that need to be convicted and there are also people that get caught up in one trap or another and they need to be released that shouldn't be there. So it makes all the world of difference to that person that you are willing to listen to the truth. And Okay, how receptive are other district courts, cities like Salt Lake, Provo, you know, district, other courts to this right. type of model? It runs the gamut, I guess. Okay. Um, and so it's anecdotal. The only answer I have to this is anecdotal in going to conferences, you know, and I don't travel a lot, very, very rarely. In the past, I did a little bit more, but we're so busy here. But in, in literature, uh, online seminars, things like that, I think most district attorney's offices, at the end of the day, they're not necessarily inherently evil. They want to get things right. They want to do the best that they can. Yeah. But most around the country have policies that basically are more controlling, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it. Yeah. Um, it's continually what I hear all the time from defense attorneys who practice in federal and state, who practice in other states, that they appreciate that in our, in our office, our prosecutors have discretion, yeah. um, that they don't need to run everything by a committee or get my approval to do everything, even if it's clearly the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the, the model tends to be more one of top-down in the sense of, Okay, we've got a set of written policies. Like on, uh, you know, give you an example. Uh, there are prosecutors' offices who ha- have such detailed written policies. It's almost like a mathematical formula. What you'll do on a given case. I think that that's absurd. 
yeah. um, where you have to follow A, B, C, and D. Exactly, uh, because, because that, these cases that, are about people, and people are exactly. not mathematical. It, life is not like that. Situations are not like that. So thank you. I, like, I'm so grateful that, that you acknowledge that, not only acknowledge it, but live by it. That's amazing. Right. And, and I want to no, say... I appreciate that. But it, it, oftentimes there's too many offices, I believe, that are policy-centric, yeah. where basically the mm-hmm. you, know, you have to follow a certain policy all of the time. And it, it, what it does is it, it takes out the individualization of each case. Every case is different. Every defendant, yeah. every victim, every situation, every circumstance, mm-hmm. every, there's no exactly. two identical cases. So to, say, so to say that everybody that's accused of X gets treated this same way is freaking stupid. Yep. Because, right. you know, the, the evidence in every case is different. The quality, there may be suppression issues in one case where there's not in, the, in, in another case. There may be legitimate, you may have a victim who absolutely refuses to testify in right. one case, yet your, policy, yet your policy won't let you account for that. I, you know, anyway, so that's right. a little bit some extreme examples, but that right. is kind of the concern is justice needs to be done on an individual by individual and a case-by-case basis, right. not by policy and not by an elected who's maybe worried about getting re-elected, right. um, de- decreeing policies or micromanaging because they're worried about what it might look like to the media. Yep. Have you had yep. an, any type of a situation that you've had to either pull back or release a prosecutor under your tutelage because of, you know, because they will not follow, like you said, it's better to prove that it's right rather than... Have you had prosecutors that are not open to that idea? More involved in being um, right? Un- for for the, the vast majority of them, of them are. So generally, this is not a, a huge problem in our office because they, they, they like it. Uh, but however, yeah, I have had to terminate uh, a prosecutor for misconduct, uh, basically tainting an eyewitness identification intentionally and lying about it to the court during trial wow. uh, to the judge and jury. Wow. Um, wow. When I found out about it, I, pro- I fired that prosecutor. He then sued um, uh, basically for wrongful, wrongful termination. Oh. Uh, he lost... Uh, the Utah Court of Appeals, in a nice decision by Judge Fred Voros, upheld the termination decision. But yeah, we went through multiple years of litigation wow. with a prosecutor oh I gosh. fired for misconduct, and yeah. and we ended up prevailing. And the court ruled against him and ruled in our favor that the termination was justified. Yeah. So yeah, I have unfortunately I have had to go down that road. Right. Yeah. And I would imagine that a prosecutor that's in it for the power, and there are some of them. I think I've met them. <laughs> <laughs> At least I've had a few of them. <laughs> I would imagine that a prosecutor that's hungry for power would really not like your approach to things because your your approach is not about power; it's about doing what's right. Yeah, fair, fair enough. And yeah. sometimes that means declining, and sometimes it means dismissing. It doesn't yeah. mean it doesn't mean jumping in bed with with law enforcement on every case and going right. for the maximum and right. putting people away as many as it, it it means sometimes people do need to be put away and sometimes they need to be put away forever yeah um, but but you know sometimes you need to not file the case yeah. or you need to dismiss right. a case like yours that example where you learn additional information subsequent to filing that changes the dynamics of of the case right so you're right if if somebody wants to if their goal and their objective in coming here is to clean up all the varmints off the street and hang them high, then they don't want to be here and we don't want them here. Right. As an attorney, choosing whether to be a prosecutor or a defense attorney, how did you choose which path? Uh, I wanted to be a defense lawyer, and I was for about six years. I went to law school 
So the very quick version, I grew up sneaking underneath my parents' couch, watching black and white Perry Masons as a kid. Oh, I um, love in the Perry 70s, Mason. wanting, wanting to, <laughs> want, literally at night, they had this, this old orange couch that was kind of high up off the ground. Uh -huh. uh, mm -hmm. I'd sneak behind it and lay on the ground while they're watching Perry Mason. Um, so, <laughs> so I, 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 I love that. I grew up wanting to be a defense attorney. I went to law school wanting to be a defense attorney. My goal in life was to be a defense attorney. Um, I was a defense attorney for six years, and then I, I realized that I could be a better defense attorney by being a prosecutor. Oh. What do I mean by that? Yeah. If I want to do justice as a defense attorney, the only power I had that was oftentimes very... So I took a big pay cut, by the way, big pay oh, cut I when I left private practice and, and defense yeah. work to be a prosecutor, yeah. because I wanted to do justice. And as a defense attorney, the only power you have is the power of persuasion. Try to persuade a yeah. police agency, a prosecutor, a judge, a jury, board of pardons to do something yeah. that you think is just. Whereas a prosecutor, they hold the keys to the criminal justice system. A case never gets to a judge without a prosecutor. Uh, the police oh. can arrest somebody, but if a prosecutor decides not to prosecute, the case doesn't go forward. Right. Um, plea negotiations. Prosecutors can say yes or no, and there's nothing the defense can do about it. They can negotiate, but if a prosecutor says no, okay, the, the defense is stuck. They've either got to go, even side. if they think it's unfair, either yeah. go to trial or, or, or take that deal. So I realized as a, as a defense attorney, I was as effective as I could be, but I, that was only, or maybe persuade a jury, but you can't actually have the ability to do justice like you can as a prosecutor. So as a prosecutor, if I feel police have overstepped the bounds, or if I feel that there's a, a, a serious, grievous constitutional issue, or, or what have you, I can literally do justice or the case that you presented, Pam. Yeah. As a defense attorney, I wouldn't have been able to dismiss that case. As a prosecutor, I can. Right. So who is in a better position then to do justice and actually be and part of the role, interestingly enough, of a prosecutor? And it's, it's in case law, in the NDA, man, if you take it seriously, part of the role as a prosecutor is to protect the rights of defendants as well, mm -hmm. to protect even the rights of the accused is oh, part wow. of the role of a, of a prosecutor. Um, and so I just realized, okay, I can be a better Perry Mason. I can be a better. So there used to be a joke. Our former sheriff used to joke to people that we have a defense attorney for a district attorney. And I said, yes, you do. <laughs> because that's actually part of my, my, part of my job. Yeah. Part of you my know job what? now. Again, it, it I, makes that sense. is so cool. Because it makes I have such never, good sense. It does make sense. And I have never heard that that is part of the prosecutor's responsibility to also protect the defendant. I've never heard that. I didn't know. I mean, I've been doing this 30 years. I've never heard a prosecutor say it or certainly not act like that was their it's role awesome. any part of it. So mm -hmm. I, it is awesome that that is part of who you are and that you not only acknowledge it, but that you live it. Like, see, now everyone knows why I love Troy. Troy is amazing. Let me read something to you really quickly, okay? Okay. So this is part of the policy of our office that's formally adopted. All of our prosecutors are expected to adhere to adhere. So we do have some policies, but the policies are more open-ended and about, and about fairness. Okay, okay. we got so this is one of this comes from the National District Attorneys Association uh, National Prosecutor Standard of Ethics. It's the third edition. We've formally adopted it in our office. Here is a, a couple of the key provisions of it. Uh, prosecutor's primary responsibility. The prosecutor is an independent administrator of justice in the criminal justice system, which can only be accomplished through the uh, representation and presentation of the truth. The primary responsibility of a prosecutor is to seek justice. This responsibility includes, but is not limited to, ensuring that the guilty are held accountable, that the innocent are protected from unwarranted harm, and the rights of all participants, particularly victims of crime, are respected. Uh, and then it goes on to talk about how prosecutors should put the rights and interests of society in a paramount position. 
in exercising prosecutorial discretion. But one of the things, again, it goes back to part of the deal is uh, ensuring that the guilty are held accountable, but that the innocent are protected from unwarranted harm. That means my job as a prosecutor is also to protect people from unwarranted charges, false allegations, right. uh, bad police investigations, because sometimes innocent people are targeted. Yep. Innocent mm. people are targeted you know, uh, for, for whatever reason. Yeah. Although I have to respect the rights of all participants, yeah. that means defendants. Yep. So yeah, I have an ethical obligation as a prosecutor to be mm. the first defense attorney on the case. Yeah. Before wow. a defense attorney gets actually, I, I, wear, I wear both hats as a prosecutor. Right. Um, and I, I, I think any prosecutors who don't think that way are scary. They're not the type of people that we want to hire. We want prosecutors here that embrace that role. Um, and, and and that mindset and that philosophy because prosecutors need to protect the Constitution as well. If you have prosecutors abusing and not caring about the Constitution, we're in a troubling place uh, yeah, in, in a America, world of hurt. that particular jurisdiction. Um, yep. so, I, so, so sorry for that, Pam, but I, that that's actually formal official policy of our office that this is part of your job is to vet the cases yeah. um, and protect people from being falsely accused. That is the role of a prosecutor as well as aggressively going after when it's warranted those who have actually committed crime. That is that is awesome. I do I do love that. It is So as you're going down, you've been a defense attorney and now you've been a prosecutor. My son happens to be the main law, law librarian for the second district court back in New York. Would you ever consider moving towards being a judge? You yeah. know, where's your path? I want to answer part of this. I was hoping he would run for attorney general. If okay. not for the state of Utah, if for, like, let's move him all the way, put him all the way to the top and be okay. the attorney general. <laughs> yeah, okay. That would be my desire. Okay. But at okay. the very least, in Utah, that would be cool because I'd like to see a good guy do it. But uh, Troy has uh, graciously told me no many times. So, Troy, <laughs> will, you, will you answer Shelley's question of what you want to do? after this yeah, what's you your bet. next step I, I, I'm almost hoping there is no after this first yeah. of all I plan on running for re-election for this job next year uh, I plan on running again you know at least one more time after that so I'm hoping that this is my last stop if it's not my last stop will likely be then to go back to being a defense attorney for example if I don't oh. if I were not to get re-elected here I'd go back to being a defense attorney and probably making more money again on the defense side particularly after being an elected DA all of this time yeah sure. uh, if I did ever apply for a judgeship if I did yes uh, it would probably be a juvenile court judgeship I've thought about that to some degree over the years but I uh, I, I like doing what I do so much um, mm-hmm. that that I've never gotten to the point where I've been motivated enough to apply for a judgeship I love it's a that. great position. Yeah. Uh, I applaud those who do it and those who want to do it. If I did do it, though, I think uh, as far as judges goes, I'd be in a better position to have the most positive impact on, on the community uh, by being a juvenile court judge than, than an, an adult court judge. So I have at some point in times thought about doing that. Um, Interesting. But, but not seriously. I don't. I, yeah. I yeah. plan on just keep continuing to stay here forever. To get to your other point, Pam, on here, here's partly why at this point in time, I don't ever see myself running for attorney general. Again, as Davis County attorney, I self-finance my own campaigns. I don't solicit nor do I accept campaign contributions because I don't want to get into the position of having conflicts, of having to go out and, and hit the streets for money or asking people for money. I'd rather people and families spend their money on their 
on their families and what they need rather than on signs and trinkets and t-shirts and hats that are going to go in the trash after the election's over anyway. And so to run for attorney general, no, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's, it's, I think it's, it was in excess of a million dollars that, that oh, both wow. Sean Reyes and David Levitt spent in the last election. I think when John Swallow oh ran gosh, against Reyes. in they, Utah? It's a million bucks? Yeah. Wow. Uh, at least I I, I want to say one of them raised and maybe spent between 1.2 and 1.5. Oh, so my problem wow. is that the attorney general's office is a yeah, and my position's elected too. But again, I self fund. It's 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 more local. It's Davis County. But as an attorney general, uh, to be competitive, I get blown out of the water by my my policy of not soliciting or accepting campaign contributions. Yeah, you have to travel the state. You have to advertise all over the state. So. And I would know, never be competitive, even if I felt I was the best person for the job. I'm not willing to take your money to go out and, and run around the state campaigning or anybody's money. Look, look at the, the allegations and problems that have arisen in the attorney general's office over the last, you know, two, two three true. administrations with what happens in that position. I just can't do it. I, I can't take people's money in a political Which is understanding. Like that. Yeah. That, that's it. that is understandable. And I think it's a shame that our... <laughs> No, I, I think I, it's that our political system has become such so so money so geared towards money that money what it does is keep good guys like you out of an office where we really need someone that mm-hmm. has ethics instead of money. So because yeah. what we're getting yeah. is we're just getting the guys that are willing to play the game, and we'll get into the swallow and all of that stuff on, on other episodes case. later. Yeah, it's it's kind of scary what it creates in our world. I think. So, yeah, it is. It is sad. I would, would. I love the job in and of itself. Yes, I would love the job if I didn't have to take people's money and you know and campaign it. But for example, when somebody gives a, a, a three thousand, five thousand, ten thousand, even three hundred, uh, so you have a lot of people that are sincere and well intended that really think you're the best person. So not everybody that gives a campaign contribution uh, expects something in return. Right. But but a lot do. But quite frankly, particularly big corporations, True. companies, people True. who give, are, are giving big big dollars. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, you 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 bet that they're 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 think that they're, you know, tapping into some degree of, of influence or, um, you know, something that could be True. beneficial or so. It just or or even if they're not, even if they're not, Joe Blow gives me you know a ten thousand dollar campaign contribution. In my view, I'm conflicted out if Joe Blow's wife is a victim in a case. Okay, maybe. Yeah, somebody assaults or does, does something. There's some reason why our right. office has to screen screen a case, and I just I, I don't I don't like that. I don't want that. Even if Joe didn't intend any, right. you know, any favoritism, any special treatment, but sure. just, so the, the the whole it's just unseemly to me. The whole money side yeah. of a prosecutor's job, and that's why in Davis County I don't take campaign contributions because I I want to avoid all of those issues. I think prosecutors yeah. Yeah. should be motivated by the right reasons and not worry about conflicts of interest because somebody's given you money right yeah exactly would you ever consider teaching yeah i would actually i i I love teaching i've done a little bit of it not a ton Mm -hmm. um but i have done some criminal justice classes at weber state for example at you know adjunct night stuff uh Mm -hmm. some some in the master's program and but i i I had to give i did it for quite a while that's good because you don't have anything to do other, you know. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't keep doing it. I did it from like 2006 to 2013. Couldn't do it anymore, even though it was at night and stuff like that with my jet. Just, I, I'm too busy even working nights, weekends. I, I unfortunately right. had to give it up just because I couldn't continue to do it. I just didn't have the time. 
So I, I gave it up why, about a year ago. I don't know why ago. that was a problem. You were just sleeping between like one and four in the morning anyway. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. That's about right. But I would love to maybe do that again someday. Someday, if if I had the time to do it, I actually do enjoy it. I love yeah. doing it. Yeah. Man, thank you. I wanted people to know that there really are good prosecutors, and I, I know that. I know some. And in some of these cases, when you talk about the truth, so much bad comes out on both sides. So it's nice. When I have something good, I really want to shine a light on it, and you are you are awesome to shine that light on. So I wanted to share you your knowledge, your experience with everyone, and I totally appreciate your time to do that. Thank you. Yeah, really, thank you for, uh, for helping us. I'm happy to do it, Pam, because of my respect for you uh, and Shelly. Shelly's questions were, were, were great. They were spot on uh, with what I thought was a productive discussion. So thank you very much. I in, enjoyed doing it. Look forward to doing it again if you need to talk to me about another topic. Absolutely. Happy to do it again for you. Thank you, Troy. Thank you, Shelly. And thank you for listening to Pamela Private Eye.